We're going to be looking at the life of two young men, or two men, I should say, Manasseh and Ammon. And these are two kings, and the first one, Manasseh, was one of the one of the worst kings that Israel ever had. And isn't it interesting that we just, his father was Hezekiah, who was a really wonderful man, a great king. In fact, one of the greatest kings that Israel ever had. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. Manasseh was born in the last 15 years of Hezekiah's life, the additional 15 years that Hezekiah prayed for. Those additional 15 years brought Judah one of the worst kings, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. This was both a remarkably long and a remarkably evil reign. A long career or longevity is not necessarily evidence of the blessing and approval of God. Manasseh imitated the sins of both the Canaanites and the Israelites of the northern kingdom. Obviously, his story is not a good one. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins chapter 21 in the book of 2 Kings. Let's open our Bibles tonight to 2 Kings chapter 21. We're going to be looking at the life of two young men, or two men I should say, Manasseh and Ammon. And these are two kings, and the first one, Manasseh, was one of the one of the worst kings that Israel ever had. And isn't it interesting that we just, his father was Hezekiah, who was a really wonderful man, a great king. In fact, one of the greatest kings that Israel ever had. He's often been called a reformer king because uh, he reformed Israel because they had gotten so much into their idolatry that a reform was necessary to bring them back to where their beginnings were. And it's sort of like a, a car, you know, when you buy a new car, it comes off the lot and, and, and you, you ride it for a while, but every now and then it needs a tune-up, it needs to be aligned because sometimes the wheels and start, and they start getting you off, you take your hand off the steering wheel and the car starts pulling to the left or to the right. And that's time for an alignment. And Israel was, Judah especially, now at this time, uh, the northern ten tribes have already been taken captive, but now Judah needs an alignment. And Hezekiah was one of those men to come along and restore uh, the worship in Jerusalem to where it was supposed to be. Supposed to be focused on Yahweh. Supposed to be focused on Jesus. And instead it became something about any, everything but him. And isn't it true that in our lives... It's very easy for us, as we go through life, for things to start to take control of our lives. And sometimes we get into these autopilot phases in our life where we just kind of go on autopilot. But invariably what happens is that autopilot 
doesn't always bring you closer to God. It usually is drawing you, making your heart um, colder to the things of God. And it is true that our life, our life with Christ, our relationship with him ought to be purposeful, meaning we really don't, we really can't just slide into neutral. Because when you go into neutral in a car, depending on the ground that you're on, most of the time there's not very many flat surfaces, and life has a way of tilting your, tilting your foundation, doesn't it? And if you're in neutral, you're going to slide, and you're always going to go backwards. And um, God wants us to be in, in, in going forward with him, and it is purposeful. It is something that you have to engage in. It's got to be something that you desire to do. And when you find yourself getting into those places where you're just kind of like going along and you don't feel like anything is happening, those are times to just say, Lord, help me break out of this. And, and, um, and those are times to really begin praying. And pray with somebody. Get together with somebody else. Maybe they're going through a similar thing. And, and, and don't allow your heart to get cold. And, and don't allow your heart to be put in neutral. Keep going forward. And... Hezekiah was one of these men who was, um, his heart was for the Lord. And what happened during his reign was amazing. And now his son takes over, and he turns out to be one of the worst kings in Israel. And And I find it interesting that Ahaz was one of the worst kings in Judah, and then we had Hezekiah, one of the best kings, and now we're going to have Manasseh, one of the worst kings. And I don't know about you, but doesn't it seem like the Bible is, uh, even in this up and down roller coaster in Kings, it's almost like the Lord is showing us that regardless of your background, regardless of your environment, what really comes down to is the heart. In other words... We know that Adam and Eve, they had a perfect environment. And God had to allow a choice to be made. He didn't make a robot. He didn't make robots. And he didn't, he didn't allow this thing to become where we love Jesus, we love God because that's all we can do. No, he, he gave a choice. And even in a perfect environment, man chose to rebel against God. And we know that even in the time since then, we live in a, in a world that's really dominated by Satan. It really is. The Bible tells us that he's the ruler over this world. For now. He's the prince of the, of, of the air. And, and during this time, we notice that there are men and women who have grown up in this corrupt environment ever since the fall of man, and some have risen to the top, meaning they've given their heart to Christ, they're moving forward, everything's going well. And yet there are others who just continue, continually wallow in their sin and they never recover. And we're looking forward to even another age in front of us yet, after the rapture of the church, after the seven-year tribulation period, and then right when Christ comes to the earth in his second coming, then a thousand-year reign of Christ where he is reigning on the throne. And yet, even in that pristine environment where the curse somewhat is lifted and things are much better than they've ever been, even still in that environment where Christ is ruling on the throne, there's still going to be rebellion. 
See, most people think the millennial reign is like heaven. Well, for you and I, if you're a believer, in this new body of ours that we're going to receive after the rapture, it's going to be like heaven on earth, but it's not going to be the utopia that everybody thinks. It's going to be great. Don't get me, don't get me wrong, especially for Christians. But doesn't the Bible say that Christ will rule with a rod of iron? Now, if, he does, if, if he's ruling with a rod of iron, that means that there's a reason that he has to rule that way. So there's still going to be rebellion. In fact, Satan, remember, we call it the Battle of Armageddon. In the first part of that thousand-year reign, he's going to be locked up, and he won't be able to influence anybody. But even still, the heart of man will, will rebel, and it will prove itself that when Satan is released after that thousand-year period, that he's going to lead a final rebellion upon Jerusalem. And it's going to end pretty quickly because the Lord's not going to deal with it. He's going to make short business of it. But it's proving something. Do you see what I'm seeing throughout the Bible? That regardless of whether you grew up in a pristine environment or whether a sinful environment or another environment where he's actually physically on the earth, regardless of those dispensations, if you will, man will always rebel. And such is true tonight. Here we had Ahaz, a horrible king, and then he gives, and then he has a son, Hezekiah. And he reigns with him for a number of years before his father Ahaz dies, and he becomes the sole ruler. You would think that this young man, having seen nothing but the worst, and the worst example possible, you would think that he would be just like his dad. But he wasn't. God did something. And now we have, we're, we're on the other side of this now, where Hezekiah had a wonderful reign, and he wasn't a perfect man, but God said there's no one like him before him or after him. And so he lives his life, and then he has a son, and his son is Manasseh. And he turns out to be one of the worst kings. So what is, what is the formula here? Is there... Some kind of formula here? And I don't think that there is. Because you can grow up in a, a horrible environment and follow Christ with all your heart. You can also grow up in a sinful environment and, and be just the opposite or, or live in a horrible environment. You know, you get my point. You, it doesn't matter your environment, your upbringing. I grew up with, with um, you know, as much as my mother did well to raise my brother and I, you know, we weren't a religious family at all. We never went to church. How is it that God could take me, this runt, this idolater that I was, this pagan creature of a man, and bring me out of that mire? How is that possible? And all I can say is two words. But God. And the grace of God. Isn't that wonderful? The grace of God. So it doesn't matter. And parents, I want to encourage you in this too before we get into this. That even if you feel like you haven't been the best example for your son or daughter or for your grandkids, all is not lost. Now, should we live as Christians the, and be the very best uh, for them, for our family and, and kids and grand? Of course we should. We should live that example before them. But even when we fail, it doesn't mean that all bets are off and that sun is just going to continue to go downhill. Because sometimes, as we're, we've been seeing throughout the scripture, sometimes those who grew up in horrible environments become one of the greatest leaders in the church has ever known. 
And that's just the way it is. And consequently, or alternately, if you're really walking the walk and you and your husband, or maybe you're a single parent and you have a child and you're doing all the right things, you're going to church, you're going to Bible study, you're praying, you're, you're exemplifying those things, those Christian values at home, and you're raising your kids you know, in the right way and everything looks good, there's no guarantee necessarily that they're going to walk with the Lord themselves. But there is a verse, and I, and I love it, it's in Proverbs, and it says, Bring up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And tonight, I want you to see that God is going to be faithful to that. And we're not going to see it in this chapter either. In chapter 21 of 2 Kings, there's no mention of Manasseh turning around at all. In fact, if you just read chapter 21 and went into chapter 22, you'd think this guy is a lost cause. Ah, but we get into Second Chronicles, where it gives us a little more information about this man's life. And what is it? Something happens toward the end of his life. He does a 180. And can I tell you that this is unusual? In fact, I don't know of any other character, in, as far as the kings of Israel, Judah or Israel, where he started off bad and got better. <laughs> There's been plenty of examples where they started off good and went to worse. But he's one of the few where he started off horrible, and then he got better. And we'll see that. And so be encouraged in that. It, it's also a scary and sobering thing, too. And that, see, that's why prayer is so necessary. Pray for your kids and your grandkids, regardless of your influence on their life. Pray for them. Pray for them daily with your husband, or, or if you're by yourself, pray to God for them every day. And do your best, because we should be doing our best. And even when our best it doesn't seem to be enough, know that God has you covered. He's got you covered. That human being has to make a decision for Christ themselves. They cannot get to glory on your coattails. They have to come to the point where they recognize, this is about me and God not my parents. This is me and God. And so be encouraged with that. And so let's read just the first 18 verses of, of chapter 21, and then we're going to go back and take a look at it. Notice what it says. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hephzibah. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he built, he rebuilt, notice, because uh, Hezekiah uh, tore everything down. So now this man, Manasseh, he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah, his father, had destroyed. He raised up altars for Baal. And made a wooden image as Ahab, king of Israel, had done, and he worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. He also built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem I will put my name. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Also he made his son pass through the fire. He practiced soothsaying. He used witchcraft, consulted spiritists and mediums. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. 
He even set a carved image of Asherah that he had made in the house of which the Lord had said to David and to Solomon his son. And this is what God said. In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever, and I will not make the feet of Israel wander any more from the land which I gave their fathers. Only if they are careful. And notice, here's the, here is the conditional statement. God's going to do all of that only if they are careful to do according to all that I have commanded them and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. And they paid no attention. And Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. And the Lord spoke by his servants the prophets, saying, Because Manasseh, king of Judah, has done these abominations, he has acted more wickedly than all the Amorites who were before him, and has also made Judah sin with his idols. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such calamity upon Jerusalem and Judah, that whoever hears of it, both his ears will tingle. I will stretch out over Jerusalem the measuring line of Samaria and the plummet of the house of Ahab, and I will wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. So I will forsake the remnant of my inheritance and deliver them into the hand of their enemies." And they shall become victims of plunder to all their enemies, because they have done evil in my sight and have provoked me to anger since the day their fathers came out of Egypt, even to this day. And moreover, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to the other. And besides his sin, by, and by which he made Judah to sin, in doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and all that he did and the sin that he committed, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Manasseh rested with his fathers and was buried in the garden of his own house, in the garden of Uzzah, and then his son Ammon reigned in his place. Now when you read what we just read, it doesn't sound like a very good guy, does it? It sounds like he was finished. He did all this horrible stuff, and then he died. It's a very typical refrain, unfortunately, that we read in Kings. But we're going to get to Chronicles here shortly, and I want to show you something really wonderful. And you already know what it is, because I've already spoiled it. I I very rarely keep everything to myself. I I like to spoil it ahead of time. So let's go back to verse 1 and we'll take a look at this. Notice Manasseh, his, his name literally means causing to forget. And I would imagine that many are like, I wish we could forget this guy ever existed. Because uh, Hezekiah had the nation, they were doing really great, and now this man, his son, is leading them all back into it again. And so his name literally means causing to forget. And he was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Hephzibah. Now, Manasseh's reign was the longest in Israel's history. The longest. No one has reigned as long as he has. 55 years. And why would God allow evil to prosper? You know, that's often one of the things that people struggle with. If God is really a God of love, then why does he allow evil to continue? Well, let me ask you, is it God's fault that men are evil? Is it his fault? Raise your hand if you think it's his fault. Good, nobody raised their hand. That's the right answer. It's not his fault. 
all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. From the very beginning, we inherited this sin nature. It is not God's fault. He allows man to do these wicked and evil things. And yes, you see other people, good people, getting hurt by evil people. And it hurts us, doesn't it? When you see something like that, you're God, God, if you're really out there, why do you allow this? And it's a hard pill. I won't lie to you. Many people are turned off to the character of God because he allows evil. He allows it for a season. Unfortunately, this season is pretty long. But to him, it's not so long. But we have a choice to make. I can either be good and follow him, or I can be evil. And God allows man to do what he... And there's consequences for those actions. So again, Manasseh, was he was the only king who started off completely evil. And we're, as we're going to see later in Chronicles, that he turned and repented later on in his reign. And because this repentance, uh, certainly we're going to see it shortly, that he's going to endure some difficulties. And it could be that he repented because of the undesirable things that were happening in his life. Because he was led away by the king of Assyria through rings that he had in his nose that they were leading him out of Jerusalem into Babylon. Him. I don't, the Bible doesn't say about anybody else. But this king and a bunch of other kings were summoned to Babylon. And he was one of them. And he would go there, not of his own volition, but they would lead him through his nose. And perhaps also because of his, you know, his godly father. Did was there something in in his life after? And it was seemed to be after this being led away into Babylon for a short season. Okay, that alone did it for him. But I can't help but wonder if while he was in Babylon for a short time. If he remembered what his father Hezekiah had said to him. If he remembered the reign of his father. If he remembered those good times and thought to himself, man, I am missing everything. I've messed everything up and now i got the judgment of God upon me. So perhaps it was both of those things. Again, Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child and the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. And I believe this was probably the prayer of Hezekiah before his son was even born. Or maybe while his child was growing up. Maybe he was praying to God, saying, God, let my son be a good man. Save his soul, Lord. Do something in his life. And then, and then to have his son run amok. And then after his death, Hezekiah's death, it's too bad he didn't see it. I'm sure maybe the Lord showed him somehow, you know, but Manasseh turned around. So Manasseh, it tells us, um, we know this through history, that Manasseh was vice-regent with his father Hezekiah. Remember, Hezekiah had become deathly ill, and for about 11 years, from 697 to 686 B.C., Manasseh was vice-regent. He was... He was uh, 
uh, he served in a lesser role than his father, but he was there and uh, in a lesser role as, as, as a king or as a, like a vice president, if you will. But then after his father died, he went on to rule for another 44 years. That's the end of our lesson for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Second Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.